All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com and get up to 15% off your first purchase as a member with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for up to 15% off your first purchase as a member. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. You're listening to The Jason Greger Show presented by playalberta.ca. If you gamble, use your game sense. Stay within your limit. Go to gamesense.ab.ca and learn more. Mission Common NHL dad. Of course, uh, his son Matt Benning uh, in the NHL uh, currently uh, injured right now with the uh, San Jose Sharks. And then uh, his uh, his youngest son, uh, Michael, uh, just turned pro, was in the American Hockey League as a member of the uh, Florida Panthers. Uh, Brian Benning joins us. Brian, how you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for the invite. Hey, no, we're happy to have you. So uh, who is it, Wes? We'd like to go back kind of through your career. We'll get to, you know, we'll get to talk about dad stuff at, at the end. But I kind of want to go back. You know, you grew up, you, you, you played junior A. We just had the, the you know, you played for the Saints. Yep. Uh, Matt played for the Saints. Uh, Mike played for the Crusaders, yep. so uh, I don't know if there was fun little chirps in the old Benning household for that or not, but um, t- tell me kind of about a young kid, like you played in the age age, and then, then you went to the WHL, you had Ken Hitchcock, you played in Portland for a bit, then, did you get traded that spin. summer to go to Kamloops, what happened? Yeah, after I was up in St. Louis when I was 18, and after nine games, uh, in that time period, my rights got traded from Portland to Kamloops, and okay. Hitch was coaching Kamloops. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't know, sometime in November, I'm going to say, I joined them for November, December, and then unfortunately after World Juniors, uh, you know, I got hit from behind on an icing call and broke a leg, so uh, I was out for the season. Oof. So Hits from behind, eh? yeah. the worst. Yeah. The worst. So, but the next year you went to, you know, St. Louis actually called you out for the playoffs, but you played for what doesn't exist anymore now, but the Canadian national team for, uh, for 20 games or 60 games in 1985-86 and another 20 games the following year before he became full-time member of the Blues. So what was the decision there that you just felt it was better for you to play on the men's national team experience wise than it would be playing junior at 19? 
Yeah, so I think competition is what we were looking for. On the, on the Canadian national team, you got coaching with Dave King. You have more practice. You have opportunity to, to build strength in the, in the locker room, in the weight room. So, but then you're playing against your top Sweden teams, your Finlands, okay. you know, at the time, Russia, uh, Czechs. So, you know, your competition was better and we had to be, uh, they were probably better offensively than us, but we were, uh, had to concentrate on the defense. And for me, that was the attraction to go there because I couldn't spell defense at 19. So <laughs> I just played offense and, you know, we sorted it out. But then after ah. that, you know, Dave King made a comment to me. He says, offense will get you there. Defense will keep you there. So that was why the choice. Okay. And, and you, you know, you were a good offensive player. Even in the NHL, you had 296 points in 570, uh, 568 games. Any, any defenseman is over half a point guy. You know, it's pretty good production. Um, so Dave King, cause you got into coaching laws, but I want to, you, you only had Hitch, I know, for a short period of time. But did you did you know right away in those short 17 games, you're probably there with him a little bit longer, of how good of a coach he was even back then? Well, I knew Hitch from Edmonton because we were in, in Edmonton. He was coaching in Sherwood Park. You know, he was on the south side at United Cycle, so I knew Hitch personally. And, um, you know, we're playing against him in, in – in the midget area there. And so, yeah, we knew Hitch. We knew his, uh, his positives and his negatives. Let's put it that way. <laughs> uh, was he that much of a hard ass back in junior? Uh, well, I think he, you know, he was really set in his ways. And I'm going to use the term when you don't have kids, you maybe can do that. But, you know, as everybody knows, when you have kids, there's always a give and take. And, um, you know, on a hockey team, there's all different personalities and you got to treat each one differently. But you had to have a set of rules for all of them. So now Dave King, um, lots of people rave about him as a coach. You, you eventually coached for many years yourself. Yeah. Um, how was like, what was the biggest takeaway you learned from Dave King? Other than uh, defense will keep you in the league. So Dave King taught us the game. And he taught us, you know, when people say, well, he's, you know, he's got hockey IQ, he's got, you know, smarts, he's got those kind of attributes. Dave King taught us that. So breaking down uh, systematically reasons why, and he simplified it for players so that we got it. And uh, that's what made Dave King, I'm going to call him a teacher, um, you know, and, and he was... Uh, you know, maybe not as, you know, offensively gifted for the freedom fighters out there that want to roam and, you know, go all over. But, you know, he was very structured. And I think that's what made him good is, you know, when you don't have the puck is to have the structure. You know, when you have the puck, then, you know, you get a little more freedoms to, you know, operate and create. Right. So there's a fine line there. Brian Benning uh, joins us. And that fine line, Brian, like, I think we've seen a big improvement I think for the longest time is okay. Coaches will coach defense, and then it was offense. Well, here you just go figure it out, right? And that's great for the, you know the one percent of elite guys. Like McDavid probably doesn't need a whole bunch of help offensively, but even the best guys can learn little tips because suddenly they're skills coaches now for a lot of the players. And goalie coaches have had a goalie coach for years, and that helped them. Forwards, defensemen are getting skills coaches, and simple things like going back to get the puck cleanly on your backhand. Right, it's probably arguably the most underrated skill for defensemen in the game, and I don't know if there was that much of an emphasis on it. Like when, back when you played, and even when you coached, because I know talking to you, I've sat down in your in your coaching lair, and really, you know, you're passionate about teaching the game, right? When did you like? When did you start to see that changeover, and and how much do you think 
the uh, the emphasis on skill and making plays. Like there's as much maybe coaching offense now as there is on defense, and that never used to be the case. Correct. So I, you know, I think there's an art in in teaching how to get open and 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 where to get open, so to say, right? So that those IQ or smart players have that ability, you know, to maybe just, you know, something as simple as opening up on your forehand. You know, a defenseman, you know, our, our change happened. You know, when I played the game, we could hold up and, you know, goaltenders can go all over the ice and, you know, now they're kind of limited. You can't hold up. So, you know, the support needs to be really tight. So, you know, do you want to dump the puck in? Well, sometimes you have to advance the puck. Uh, that guy retrieving it, he's got to know where to go. We had a rule in our family, if you rim the puck, that's a swear word. So <laughs> you need to find an opening other than rimming the puck. So yeah. as a defenseman going back and getting it, that could be the center. That could be, you know, circle back, go D to D. That could be save your ice. Um, you know, it, it, if you have to go to the winger, let's go direct, but also then be available to get it back and it's a one touch back and away you go out of out of pressure right and so it's it's to me the defense position needs to be in your own zone retrieving making a good first outlet pass and and then supporting the play uh we'll get more into your coaching in a sec but i want to go back so you, you know you finally break into the blues in, in 86 87 you actually started that year on the canadian national team for 20 games so and then you came into st louis but you you had played those 20 games um, and you still played 78. So, like, did you start in August on the Canadian yeah, National yeah, Team? Yeah, we started early. So, uh, you know, their program was to, you know, basically practice hard for three weeks and then go do a tournament. And sometimes it was, uh, you know, a tournament against NCAA teams. So we did kind of a three-week tour there. Um, you know, sometimes going overseas and playing in some tournaments over there. So that's kind of what the national team was about was, was try your luck that way, but then come back and practice, regroup. And then go again. So after that, I think August, September, then, you know, I joined St. Louis and, uh. So you did know. you have a contract? Like the Blues allowed oh, you to do that? Oh yeah. Yeah. Like, so I, 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 I signed my contract right after the draft. I played nine games as an 18 year old and actually on a national team, I was 19. So that was my 19 year. Yeah. And, uh, and that went, that year went pretty easy in my books. So it was, uh. But even know. the following year, like when you're 20, and and the Blues own your rights, and they're like, okay, you're going to start in August. Although I guess back then guys mm-hmm. used training camp to get in shape. So they're like, okay, you'll come to camp. So you played for the national team. Mm-hmm. And then, like, did you join the Blues late in preseason right at the yeah. start? Yeah. Or how that worked? I'd, I'd have to look to see. I don't know. I've been hitting the head a couple times, Greg, so I don't know when <laughs> I joined them. But <laughs> it's <laughs> I think we started in August and okay. training camp didn't start till, well, the season started October 6th normally. So somewhere around there, I probably the, the middle of, uh, of October is when we, I joined and, and I ended up staying. So it was, I had a long training camp on the national team. So 1986, 87, there's a young Brian Ben and he's 20 years of age. He goes, and now you had played a little bit in the NHL, but mm-hmm. you know, not enough to feel like, okay, I'm a proven NHL player yet. Mm-hmm. And you're a defenseman. Mm-hmm. You got Bernie Federico late in his career. You got Doug Gilmore. Mm-hmm. Your head coach is still coaching in the NHL today. <laughs> Jacques Martin. That's a, but you scored 49 points as, as, as a rookie defenseman yeah. that year. Like, did, was there a time in that rookie season you're just like, this league's kind of easy. That's not that difficult. I don't know what the big commotion's all about. But let me let me simplify that again. 
um, I had Rob Ramich as a D partner. Yeah. So you got you got a you know a top player playing with a rookie. So the defenders are taking another stick length towards Rob Ramich, and they gave me some room. Oh. Okay. And so something as simple as you know, say one stick length gives you that room. Or I call it playing with, um, you know, when you're in the zone, it just happens. You know, when you go golfing and you just have that, you know, the ball goes straight, it lands tight in the pin, it, it, it just happens. And that's what happened my rookie year. It wasn't too much pressure. You know, I find that everybody puts too much pressure. You got to find a way to relieve the pressure. So for me, uh, yeah, I think I had 13 goals and 36 assists. Yes. And, you know, I'd shoot the puck, I'd get a screen, guys would tip it or it would go in, it would go through it. So I had good luck, right? You also had 110 PIMS that year. Well, I was the third kid in the family, so I kind of fight with everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Because, you know, like, but, you know, in the, in the 80s, even if you're an offensive defenseman, yeah. you had to take care of yourself every now and then. Yeah, there was times that you, you're, you go into Chicago Stadium and probably the meanest, you know, place in town and, or in the league. And, and that was a tough building to play in. You know, your lives get threatened on the ice over there. <laughs> <laughs> what was your, do you remember back? And I know it's a while. Um, do you remember kind of like what was your welcome to the NHL moment that you're just like, Oh my God, like I'm in the NHL now and like, you know, I made it or something was really cool. Like someone you got to play against or line up against or maybe, maybe saw like Gretzky schooled you where you're like, yeah, I'm still playing against Gretzky. Oh God, I got to think now. You want to know when my life was threatened or you want to yeah, know? Yeah, sure. Both was... ways. So here, here's a story in Chicago. I go in Chicago, Rob Ramich. Chicago's a good team. You got Denny Safard, Al Secord, you know, Larmer, yeah. Doug Wilson. Uh, they're, they're a powerhouse. So anyway, a guy by the name of Al Secord, he was a big, mean, grumpy guy and, he comes down on me and, you know, he wasn't a very good skater and I was a good skater and I just poke check the puck. And he circles around the net and we break the puck up and away we go and he taps me on the arse and he says, you do that again and I'll kill you. And I don't think much of it, you know, whatever. I'm, you know, this is Chicago, whatever. So anyway, I go back to the, I asked my deep partner, Rammer, I said, Rammer, he wanted a rammer says what was secord wanting about and i said well i don't know he just threatened my life he said do that again i'm gonna kill you i said is he serious he said yeah just maybe let him sleep next time just let him go wide on you and you know he'll end up behind the net and <laughs> things will you know neutralize from there right so i was a quick learner i didn't need to be you know stubborn at that point and next time down he comes on me and i let him go down and he runs into the end boards and loses the puck. We break it out, and away we go. And as I come up the ice, he taps me on the backside, and he says, you learned quick. That was pretty smart. So, <laughs> I, you know, it's kind of like a it's, unique. Uh, it's it, funny that a guy's like, yeah, I just, I don't want to be looked like I'm showing up that I can't enter the zone anymore. It's exactly, basically what he was saying. Exactly, right? And so, you know, because he turns the puck over, coach yells at him, da-da-da-da-da, and da-da-da-da-da, right? So at the end of the day, it was, you know, it was – it was kind of a moment where I go, I don't know, is this guy serious or what? Like maybe Ben Wilson on that team would have been a different story. I probably would have had to stick through me. Yeah. But he uh, was you tough, know, underrated but, tough. Yes. But, uh. you know, Secord, uh, you know, it was just kind of interesting how it played out. Well, Secord is a really good player. Uh, I do remember Yaroslav Pozar. I, me- I remember uh, um, Paul Coffey telling the story about how Pozar really earned the respect of his teammates when he, like, 
crush Secord in a tilt, and the guys were just like, "Oh my god!" Like Pozar's legit, yeah. and because uh, Secord is like he was a forty goal scorer, but a top like a power oh. forward back oh. in the eighties. Guys would score uh, and they would fight. Uh, Brian Benning is our uh, guest here on Who Is It Wednesday. Uh, we'll come back. Uh, we'll return talking about uh, you going going from the Blues, and then suddenly you're in L.A. with uh, Gretzky in the heyday of the Kings. Vancouver now is uh, enjoying. Well, semi-retirement, I guess. If you're consulting, you're not officially retired yet. So uh, he's he's still out there. But, uh, Brian, so you, of course, you're in St. Louis. You had uh, Jacques Martin for a few years. And then uh, Brian Sunner came in. I think it was your uh, third season. Uh, they bring in a new coach. And uh, you had the first year with him. And then uh, seven games into your second season, you get traded. Uh, you, well, you got banged up. And then you got traded right around. Was it November, December when you got traded L.A.? Yep. Uh, sometime in December, I remember it as. So, tell, so now you go to L.A., and like Wayne Gretzky announces second year in L.A., right? Like they're putting hockey on the map yeah. in Los Angeles. You got all the big stars are coming out to every game. Like, like the Kings are a big deal yeah. now in L.A. You got the silver and the black. You know, you're, you're Edmonton kid. You know, obviously you grew up watching Gretzky probably when you're 16, 17, thinking this yeah. kid's pretty good. Yeah. And, uh, and now you're playing with him. How, how was that for you? How, was it nerve wracking at all? Even though you'd be in the league for four years and now you get traded, first time being traded, how was the whole experience? You know he's he's he was awesome. He's obviously a great player, but he was just a good person, Gretz. And uh, I always remember one line, you know, because you, you always well, let's feed Gretz, feed Gretz, feed Gretz. And he was always maybe up a little bit farther and maybe towards the the center ice line on on the right side. I was a left defenseman, so it's tough to get him the puck over there. But so I, I kind of you know what do you, you go up to this great big superstar and you ask him uh, you know a question or whatever you just try to blend in. But we had so many stars there: Larry Robinson, oh. Dave Taylor, John Tanelli, Steve Casper. Um, you know we had a pretty powerhouse team, and you know Crucial Niski, McSorley, Tom Laidlaw. So it, it was it was a really exciting time to be. But I remember Gretz's line was. You know, I, I asked him, like, do you go to a certain place? Where do you want? Where can I find you? Whatever. And he says, you know, like, in not only me finding him the puck, I could find him there, but where do I go? And, and ask the question, where do you want me? Or where's the game plan? Or where's the, you know, draw it out on X's and O's? And he said, kid, you find the opening and I'll find you. And that really simplified yeah. the game as yeah. opposed to say, you go here, you go there. No, you just find the opening and I'll find you. And it sure made sense. I like that. Uh, kid, you find the opening and uh, and I'll find you. Because yeah. I, I can see it's it's nerve-wracking. You're an NHL player, but it's still, well, now I'm playing with the greatest offensive player the game's ever seen. But you also mentioned Larry Robinson, who was, you know, is a Hall of Famer, elite player. Yeah. Um, I saw a practice once with the Kings and uh, they were practicing in a oh god this is i think it was early, well, 19 it must be in victoria for whatever reason they were practicing larry robinson spent the whole practice with his stick upside down and i didn't see him mishandle the puck it's still one of the greatest things i've ever seen in a hockey practice i was like yeah. and you know obviously it's helping his hand eye coordination but it was stunning to me that he was stick handling that well with his stick upside down the entire time yeah no, Larry. Larry is, uh, I think, a very val. I don't know how many cups Gregor tested right there. How many cups has Larry got 
Oh, four. I think he might. Well, a coach, too. Coach. Because he was assistant a, coach. Pittsburgh. I think he might have Total nine. Cups. He might have nine. Yeah. I have to double check. So that's an amazing guy right now of, you know, having nine cups and, you know, those years in Toronto. But funny story about Larry. I asked him, well, like, you guys only played three defensemen in Montreal. There was, you know, Serge Savard and I think it was Guy Lapointe. Yeah. And, you know, guys like that. And, and they had a coach, and yeah, the coach said, yeah, you play left D, you play right D, and then you change. And then the three guys, they just played left, right, and changed. So it was kind of interesting. But Larry broke the game down nice and easy, and I think that that's a key to a lot of don't complicate things. The game is too quick, too fast. Uh, simplify and uh, and execute, right? And Larry was really good at that. And still, uh, Larry's just a really good person. Yeah, I, I'm counting uh, eight, I think. Um, six is a player. I might have nine if I uh, can't remember if they won a cup with the Habs in the uh, – Philadelphia was 75 and 76. Um, yeah, either way, it's, it's I, a lot. Like a couple as an assistant coach in Jersey? Yeah, well, he's a head coach for one. Yeah. Remember, because he took over for Robbie Fatorik late that season. Yeah. They got rid of the sweater yeah. and uh, and Robinson. And then he was an assistant uh, with the Devils when they won in uh, in 95. Yeah. So uh, his second year. And, yeah, I know he had an amazing career. Yeah. But uh, St. Louis, too. He was involved with St. Louis when they won their cup. Oh, you're right. So, yeah, yeah, he was a yeah, consultant. You're right. Yeah. yeah, they don't have that there. So there's his ninth. You're right. Um. Looking at the time, like El- now, were you married when you went to LA? Were you in care? Were you- I was happily married. You were happily, but and still am. But yeah, but <laughs> living kind of like you go to LA, it's just a different like you know you get to go to some of the parties that maybe you didn't go to when you're in St. Louis in the Midwest. Is that fair to say? Yeah, it was a little different atmosphere, definitely <laughs> for sure. So, Positively, uh, like was there was there one kind of you like you're you're at a party when there's a bunch of people like what the hell am I doing here? Gregor, we go to St. Louis, very conservative, you know, big in the in the church all over. There's churches every three blocks. Da 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 da. You go to LA and these girls wear jeans and uh, and a bra that's got rhinestones on it. <laughs> I'm going. Oh. What Casca say? What's going on here? Right, and it was just it was it was and Bruce McNall is an owner. It was really glitzy. We had we had stars come. So one of the things I did as a player is I I kept a scrapbook. And in L.A., we had a photographer, and every star came. Michael J. Fox and, you know, Daryl Strawberry and Bo Jackson and, you know, all these guys that nobody knows who they are nowadays. But uh, they were big stars in that game and uh, in L.A. And, uh, you know, Tom Hanks would, you know, bring his kid down to the game, uh, John McEnroe and you name it, they'd come into the dressing room. So I got, you know, pictures of all these guys, Andre Agassi, I remember, and Danny DeVito, and you <laughs> name it, right? Bruce Springsteen. It was, it was quite the escapade to have these guys come around uh, in the room and, and chat it up. Oh, I could imagine. Like, it's, like you're in the NHL, which is great. But now you're in like a marquee city and it, yeah. like it's a big deal. Like the Kings, you know, the, the, the yellow and the, and the purple for many years in LA, like they just weren't great. Obviously you had the, the 1982 miracle on Manchester. They had Marcel Dion. They had the triple crown line and that was great, but Gretzky just took it to a different level. You guys obviously, you know, you go to the Stanley Cup final and in, in, in 1993, although, um, you'd, you'd been, you'd been traded out yep. of there to, prior to that from Philly. So when you got traded from LA, so now it's your second time, you go to Philly. Is it disappointing? Is it exciting? How does, how does that happen when you're getting traded from a good team like that? And Philly was a competitive team. It's not like they were yep. bad, but was it different at all? 
Well, I got traded for Paul Coffey, so Coff was a pretty good player, so I think that I was just <laughs> and he was Gretzky's buddy too. Yeah, so yeah. um you know, I it is what it is. But I really loved Philly. Philly might have been, you know, that that it's a special town for sports and it didn't matter which sport it was, but hockey, boy, they loved their hockey and you know, they they love their football there. And uh you know, very little travel as a player. Philadelphia is a a really neutral city where no travel. Actually, we took the bus more than we flew. And, uh, wow. you know, sometimes, believe it or not, we got home on an away game earlier than we did at a home game, if you could believe that. So that's another story another day. Now, is, is that just because of, like, getting home and, well, it was probably having too many post-game beers in your, in your hometown? How does that work? Well... You know, you hang around in the dressing room at the home game, and then you go to the wives' room, and you know you might have a beer there, and then you go out for dinner, and you you enjoy it, and you get home at you know one thirty two in the morning. Yeah. But when you're when you play in Long Island or Rangers, and you know it's we had a rule forty five minutes after the game, game's over ten fifteen, bus leaves at eleven. Well, at eleven o'clock, you're home at twelve thirty. Like, we had to pick movies that were under an hour and a half long if you wanted to see the end of it. Okay. And uh, so you're home at 1230, you're back at the practice rink, and now, you know, it's just the guys, and so you go home. So you're home at 1 o'clock, and that was pretty easy. And you don't go out after that because you already had supper on the bus and da-da-da-da-da, right? So you got home early. It doesn't make sense, but it happened. Now, going to Philly... Pretty tough city. The Flyer fans. And you had great numbers in, in 92, 93. You had nine goals, 26 points in 37 games. Mm-hmm. And then you got traded to your hometown of Edmonton. Yeah. And the orders, you know what, that, that was, they weren't good anymore then. Like that was the, uh, the start of the bad time. Was that the most disappointing because you're having such a great run in Philly? What, what led to that deal? So I loved Philly, first of all. Um, and it was one of those things that things happened that year. Just a pressure release. Things are going in. I was playing out my contract. Um, Hitch was my assistant coach there with Craig Hartsburg and Bill Deneen was head coach. And it, it just happened and it, it, it worked well. I didn't want to leave. Uh, but I don't have a say in it. Right. And, uh, you know, it was one of those things where maybe they wanted to sign me and, uh, you know, between agent and me, they, you know, I don't know why, but I said, well, let's just leave it till the end. Don't kind of have a distraction and leave it till the off season. I want to be here. I, I love the city, love the town. And, uh, it, I guess it wasn't meant to be. Russ Farrell was our GM and, and he traded me to Edmonton. So now you come home. You, you had a, now it was later in the year. So you played 18 games, uh, as a member of the orders. Was that a thrill for you, even though, you know, yeah. because the team wasn't great, but you're playing in your hometown. And that summer, did you have conversation? Did you want to re-sign in Edmonton? What was your thoughts going into as a free agent that summer? Well, what story do you want, Greg? So I can tell you one that's good and one that's bad. Yeah, yeah tell me know. both. <laughs> so I get traded. I, you know, I'm an Edmonton kid, obviously proud to play here. You know, you can't control the team that you're on. You just play your best all the time. And I get here and... You know, Sather gives me the big welcome and we'll welcome home and welcome this. And, 
you know, as per your contract, I'm not even going to offer you this in, you know, Canadian dollars, never mind American dollars, and da-da-da. So really, I don't know if it was an intimidation, if it was, you know, a very unwelcoming situation. I started playing here, and then I, I hurt my wrist. I cross-checked somebody, and I got a really bad wrist injury, and it was kind of a nagging injury, and it, it didn't, you know, it just didn't work out here, right? And I played out my contract, and, uh, you know, the story goes is... I got a phone call. Bob Clark was, you know, vice president of nothing in Philadelphia, but yet around the team, really. And I had, you know, I would say a respectful relationship with him there. He knew me in Philly, and uh, he went on to be the general manager in the Florida Panthers. And yeah. he phoned me up, and, uh, you know, on July 1st or 2nd, whenever, you know, everything opened up, and we got a deal done and we got the you know the the agent involved uh but it was more or less a uh you know it was i played in edmonton i was home i i, I think i came here in whenever december or january and and um you know i left uh, after the season and signed in florida for you know my last contract and you signed in florida first year in florida you know and it was you know, a whole new market yep. again, but pretty good. Yeah, really good. Really like great weather. Yeah. Um, you know, you had a lot of veterans on that team, and yeah. you know, Florida had a had a pretty pretty good early success run. Of course, yeah. everybody remembers. You know, the rat. Now, were you there when the rat, or was that no, after you? That was my last year. So, my that was my third year. My after my second year, I had I had some bad injuries. I had my shoulder done the second time, and herniated disc operated on my back. So, my third year that that was the year and. It wasn't good. So I, how do I say it? I came back in January and then I was pretty much done. Just injuries. Just injuries. So did you know then that you had to retire? Yeah, I was fine with the shoulder, but the back, when I, I had a herniated disc in my back, they operated on and then I just felt that the nerve endings or scar tissue or something, but it wasn't as, my legs weren't, my one leg wasn't as quick as it used to be, right? So you lose that little bit of a step. And, uh, you know, my body was beat up pretty good. So when hockey was over, we mentioned Jim had been, uh, you know, his career ended, uh, I think, just a few years before yours, and then he was going into management. Did you ever, did you consider wanting to stay in the game? Not really. I didn't. So I love the game, yeah. right? But you know the other part of the 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 the, the other stuff behind the, the scenes I didn't care for. So I opted for business where you could control more. And uh, while I was playing, actually my first year in St. Louis, I I found some businesses I got involved with, and uh, one of them is the one that I own today. And um, I got involved with a NFL football player in St. Louis. Who's that? Uh, Tim uh, Tim Carney is his name. Okay, and uh, he owned a, a franchise business and introduced me to it. And uh, Interstate Battery and Interstate Batteries was the company, and he was an NFL. So I would go there after practice, and he would teach me the business. And really, and I did the battery thing. I, I did you know a car dealership. A Jack Wiener Chevrolet was a guy that helped me too. And so I did these, you know, did some pizza franchise stuff, Subway. And so I looked at different opportunities while I played the game. You were doing all this while you were playing. While I was playing that. And then when I went to different cities, they introduced me to different situations as well. And, uh, you know, so, you know, in Florida, we had a hockey lockout that year. I worked with uh, Jody Sullivan down there. And uh, um, Jody and Richard Sullivan are two brothers that own a real successful business down there. And so it's just, 
you know, I got involved because we had time and I'm not a guy that sits around. And uh, so I like that challenge of the business side of things. And I use some connections in hockey. Uh, Florida bought me out of my last year of the contract. So yeah. I had some money up front and I just, I went to work. Then you went and invested in, uh, in the battery company. Well, it's obviously uh, 30 plus years later. Well, 30 years later, it's doing pretty well. So can't complain. That's good. Uh, uh, we'll recall Brian Benning, of course, uh, owns uh, Interstate Battery here uh, in Edmonton. And of course, uh, uh, your son's uh, Matt uh, injured right now playing for the uh, Sharks, former uh, Edmonton order. And uh, then young Michael, first year in pro uh, in Florida where you retired. So I'm, I'm sure that, you know, in the same organization, of course, uh, he's in the American League. But so I want to as a father who is in the NHL, you know, so you have your boys who play. Did you have to not like have too high expectations. How did you balance that as a dad, you know, to not be the overbearing hockey dad? Mm -hmm. Well, I've always said that you got to enjoy the game because you work too hard not to enjoy the game. So the first thing you have to do, it's one thing to work hard and enjoy it. You, that works. But when you work hard and don't enjoy it, so there has to be a passion to the game and that's up to them, right? I can teach the game. I can give them insights. I feel like, uh, you know, I see things maybe a little earlier or I, I see things develop or happen just because of spidey senses or I've played the game. But from a standpoint, it, now I got to relay that in through their eyes. And, you know, and, and it's just some, something as simple as what did you see? And I learned that as a coach, you know, when your mistakes are made or good plays are made, well, what did you see? And, and normally everybody concentrates on the negative, but you, you got to look at it on the positives too, right? So not too up not too down and uh but you got to teach the game and why right and you coached a lot in in my now did you strategically push your boys to play defense or did that just naturally happen well <laughs> it was something that a position that i knew okay. right so i was comfortable in in teaching the secrets we'll call it and uh you know, and then the other thing was was a right-handed shot, right? Yeah. I, I, you know, you've heard me about the right-handed shot stuff. So all three, boy, girl, boy, uh, all shoot right. And here again, it's motivation, right? There's, I think, there's two types of coaches, and there's, there's, you know. I believe in motivate or intimidate. What do you want to do? And you pick and choose. So I always chose motivation. And, um, you know, if you want to, you want to get a better shot and I'll give you a, a sample of Mike, uh, our youngest guy that, you know, he saw his brother and his sister having great success and he wanted to be better and do something. And I said, well, you got to do something really exceptional, right? And so, you know, whether it's skate or, or shoot or pass or, but you have to do something exceptional. So, you know, Mike would go out and, uh, you know, he'd go shoot pucks we had a shooting cage in our backyard and you know he had asked me well how many pucks i says well how good do you want to be i said you can shoot 100 pucks and get better that works right you could shoot 200 you'd even be better than 100 it's twice as much you know and well mike says i want to be real good well i said well go shoot 400 then and see how that gets you Right. And so, you know, Mike can score goals. He's got a good shot, but it starts when you're young and you want to shoot 400 pucks instead of, you know, playing video games. And it's funny that you say Mike has a good shot because Matt, like Matt had a surprising, really hard slap shot. Yep. Right. Like really hard. So, and not the biggest guys. Like, how much of shooting is technique and how do you improve shot? 
So it, it's, you got to find that sweet spot. Matt was the same thing. Matt would shoot lots of pucks, right? Matt had, well, the four years here, he was either first or second every year in the skills competition yep. and shot. And, you know, so, you know, but you, you maybe don't get that, um, you know, magnified as much as Michael does because Mike's shot turns into goals. Matt's doesn't because he's not as a dynamic offensively, right? So it, it, points out as a point shot, a tip, a rebound, stuff like that, but you don't always get the same glory as scoring the goals. Yeah, no, that's fair. You know? How was it being a, a dad of an Edmonton Oiler when you live in the community? Was it great or was it like, how was the balance? Well, here you got ups and downs as well, right? It's great when you're winning and it's terrible when you lose, right? Because of the passion of the city, right? A little bit over the, the rails both ways, I would say, right? And it's tough. Uh, it's real tough, right? So, um, you know, it's like anything. It's 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 probably the hardest in your hometown. Um, yeah. You know, when you go to Matt leaves Edmonton, goes to Nashville, and you know, it, it's you don't get that, right? And but it's still a great hockey city. They're very passionate. Uh, you know, it's just a different, um, I would say, fan base. Uh, better for mom and dad in Nashville. Those few fun road trips. Great visit, man. It's a great visit. <laughs> and I, I want to go full circle because you started talking about uh, coaching because I know that's something that's yeah. super passion uh, for you. You look at the the evolution of the game, and you know the game. It's always changing and evolving. I'm a big believer that. Are today's athletes maybe better athletically? Sure, but they're also giving more opportunities, nutrition, right? Like, I'm sure what you ate is a lot different than what your boys ate that when they're in pro hockey. You know, the training in the off season, now it's year round. The training during the season, sleep, they monitor sleep now. You know, you're flying, not commercial, you're flying first class, all that stuff. Sometimes they'd stay over in a city because it's better for your sleep rather than flying through the night, all those things. Thinking the game though, like the game is quicker now. At times though, I'm not sure it's taught to, you know, like everybody wants to be fast, 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 but there's a lot of times where there's a lot of fast, but nothing happens. Yeah. If that makes any sense. Yeah. How do you, as somebody who coaches lots and watches that, what do you think's like the next way to take the fast and add in the thought process with the fast? Right. So the game has changed, like you said, from, you know, nutrition. Uh, we worked out all summer. We took normally three weeks off, maybe a month if you had an injury. Uh, but we would still maintain cardio, running distance, um, you know, that type of stuff. But then you would build up your muscle in the summer, um, you know, those types of things. So that – but – not to the level no. of specificity that they do here now, no. uh, you know, stuff like, you know, what call plyometrics or, you know, zigzags and agility stuff and, you know, those types of things. So that's come a long way, but that's kind of society, yes. right? The nutrition is a great big one. You know, I, I could probably tell you a couple stories about <laughs> after a game in Pittsburgh and it's two o'clock and, you know, we're, we're going to go look for some pizza or a donair, right? Well, that's not the best thing to be eating, right? It's <laughs> after a game and, you know, da da da. But, you know, it, it, so that's changed. When I got to L.A., we started to charter, and after that, everything chartered. So that was all good through there. And then the, the nutrition, the eating, you know, we were eating good on planes and stuff like that, right? Uh, in St. Louis, we, you know, we, we flew commercial. And, uh, you know, and that was, you know, that's what it was. The food was terrible, and it is what it is. But, so when you went to the Kings, then you were flying first class? Yeah. Yeah. So, well, we actually had our own yeah, had private own jet, plane. Yeah. We had uh, yeah, a charter. Uh, Bruce McDonald's a wonderful owner. And, um, you know, it's just, you know, some of the stuff that, uh, 
You know, it was different. It was a different time back then, right? And my Christmas story with St. Louis, I got traded to L.A. in that time. And my Christmas, um, the team, as a player, I got a St. Louis Blues phone. Um, so I say Christmas party is about, yeah, say, yeah. December 10th, 15th. I got traded somewhere. I got a St. Louis Blues phone and a dozen Budweiser beer. Okay. And then I get traded to L.A. and I double dip on the Christmas present, so I'm pretty happy about that. And we go to open it, and I get an all-leather black uh, embossed case or whatever heat-stamped uh, L.A. Kings logo luggage, carry-on, and aftershave bag. And in there is uh, one week all-inclusive in Mexico at the end of the season. So it was like jackpot, right? Yeah. So, but it was it was just uh, two different organizations. Yeah, different. And, you know, right. it's funny because even now in today's NHL, there's certain organizations that do things different than other organizations, yeah. right? Like you got a lot of billionaire owners, but there's just some who who care more about the small things and there's still yeah. some who care more about the bottom line and they don't uh, they don't yeah. give the perks and those little yeah. things they don't count on the cap or anything yeah. but that can be the difference for a guy wanting to stay in a certain place cuz you're just yeah. treated better and if that stuff matters yeah. to you yeah. right yeah. and there, it can for for certain people for sure yeah. so i can see that now before i let go i want to talk about uh, your father uh, elmer mm-hmm. of course 47 years as a scout for the Montreal Canadiens, he yep. scouted till he was at least seventy-four, maybe even yep. seventy-five. Yep. Right, so so he's scouting. Well, you what did he ever give you? Did he ever show you his scouting report of you? Uh, no, I, he never did. But like my draft year, I was in Portland, so you know there was no Oil Kings. I don't think at the time. So yep. uh, you know, but. We, we'd always get it. We'd get the feedback from Elmer. We'd get the sheets of, you know, what they're looking for, what, you know, check the boxes, right? So we always got that. And, you know, dad's, dad's, dad's voice to me was, you know, make plays. Forget the rough and rugged. Uh, you know, I wasn't, I was big in a time and a frame, but I, when I got, you know, up to a high level, I wasn't considered big. I was yeah. always considered small. And I was six feet, 195 as a defenseman. And pretty much all the teams that I played on, I was the smallest guy. There would be one, maybe two guys under 200. So, you know, but dad always said, you got to make plays. You got to skate. You got to be smart. Um, you know, you can't change stupid. And, uh, you know, so you're real between the eyes right hard. And, you know, so learn the game and, uh, and play with your brain. Um, you, you not only coach your two sons, you also coach your daughter. Yes. And, uh, and she went on, played at, uh, at U of A. Yep. What was the biggest difference coaching boys and girls? Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Well, there's a couple stories there too, Gregs, but I don't know how much time we have. But, you know, the girls, um, you know, boys are real raw, raw, and da-da-da-da-da, and the girls... I remember coaching girls playing a boys team in the final at minor hockey week and it's seven minutes to go in the game and one girl comes off the ice. It's a 4-3 game. We're winning. It's tight. And one girl comes off and asks the other girl, just finished a shift, get down, have a sip of water. And she says, what's your favorite Slurpee flavor? Right? And I'm going, ah, there's seven minutes to go and you're worrying about a Slurpee flavor, right? So there's... They they didn't sweat, you know. I, the I don't small think stuff they much. didn't sweat the the pressure. They did a really good job of managing pressure. Girls do, and uh, you know the skill sets are differently. You know, boys are different than girls. You know, where you know the boys are rah 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 and go at it, and the girls kind of. Th- Think about it. Look back and say, "This is where we're going to go." Yeah. See, I, I, this is my first year. I have a I have a girl on our team, and I find if I give her direction, I got to say it once. Yeah. She gets it. The boys, get, oh. I got to repeat it a few times. Yeah, and get them put one finger in the other ear and talk to the other ear so it doesn't go all, <laughs> all the way through. Right. <laughs> so, you, you know, I had a girl. Uh, my first pick, actually, in one of our and my peewee team was uh, Melissa Kieber, uh, Saint Albert. She was my first forward picked. And um, in the draft, and we have two equally drafted teams, and you're right. And at that level, they're strong compared to yeah. boys, too. Oh, and yes. uh, and uh, she was my first forward and was a heck of a player, went on to play NCAA hockey. Yeah, I know Charlie on our team, she's our best skater. Um, and she's, I think she, well, maybe Kai might be heavier than her, but she's tall. Yeah. And once I kind of gave her the green light because she'd played, she never played on a boys' team before. She wanted to play in a boys' team and because she, she felt like it was maybe more aggressive. And so she was a little timid at first. I said, Charlie, you're the biggest, strongest person out here. Go win battles. Like, you're not allowed to hit anybody, but you can go. And then it was just like all of a sudden, boom. But it is interesting given the the direction and how it's just different, not better or worse, Mm -hmm. but I do find it's less time that I have to say it for her to get it. It's once, maybe twice. Some of you, and some of the guys can get it once, but a few of them I got to be like, Three or four times, because half the time they're out twirling, you know, circling around. They're not yeah. necessarily paying attention. It's an age group, Gregory. It's just an age group. That, it gets better. It t- oh no, I love it. Like it's super fun. <laughs> yeah. It's always a yeah. uh, a challenge. Um, quickly, so uh, back to, to to Michael. He's because mm-hmm. uh, Matt's season's over, unfortunately, due to injury. Mm-hmm. But uh, 
How often the conversations now, like that first year of pro hockey, when you're a 21 year old coming out of NCAA and you go to the American League, like the American League is hard. I think it's way harder than some people think. And because you're playing against a lot of men, it's a little sloppier at times, you know, maybe not as skilled in plays. How's the, that first year of pro gone for him? I think it, personally for him, it's gone real well. Um, you know, there are always some challenges. Some of the challenges are you playing against guys 24, 27, 29. They've got a 32-year-old on the team. You know, married, has kids, you know, da-da-da. He's coming from the college scene, you know, that it's – you know, it's, it's a little bit different. There's more free flow in the, in the college game, you know, kind of a more run and gun style and, uh, priority to that as opposed to, you know, there's a little more bang and clang in the American League. There's less passing. There's, there's stronger guys, right? So they get in your way and create havoc. So it's a change for him. Uh, goaltending, you know, is probably better too. Um, less time that with the puck, yeah. right? So, it's it's tough, um, and I think what makes the American League so hard is you might have guys on your own team that dislike you more than the guys on the other team because everybody's trying to get to the NHL. Yeah, and you know there's competition within the team, and you know they say yeah we're on the same team, but it's real difficult because yeah. you know a new toy comes in, and you know the coach gets it, and so the coach is in a tough spot too because you know favoritism, and you know when there's 24 and 27 year old other defensemen out there, it's it's difficult. So it's a you got to manage it, and uh, you know there's not too much. Everyone says college, well, you only play 40-some games and play on the weekends, but that's pretty much over there, too, in the American League. You might play the odd in-week, but mostly a Friday-Saturday yeah. game, so it's not too bad that way. But it is a learning curve, and uh, I I think it's actually harder hockey to play because, um, you know, passes end up in your in your feet or they're ahead of you or behind you. They're not on your tape. You get to that pro level, the timing is there, the guys get it, it's, it's a half a second and quicker and that's all you need right brian really appreciate your time uh, joining us today on uh, who is it wednesday thanks so much for coming in studio anytime guys mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for mother's day than whole foods market they're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts start by saving 33 with prime on all body care and candles then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just 9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.